What's happening at 1130? It is 1201. You are the service that has slept in the most. I expect you all to be a lot louder than that. How are we doing at 1130? Come on. There we go. Much better. You know, I need you to talk with me today. Uh, we're, as Steve mentioned, beginning a series of talks all about the core values here at BlackRock. I've been privileged to speak. Uh, Steve has given me the honor of being up here. And as he mentioned, um, he's not just my pastor, but a personal friend of mine. Um, and I shared a fun fact every service, and that's been new. And this one, uh, Steve, some of my earliest memories uh, are from the transition between Pastor Stan and you. Pastor Stan is the guy who spoke last week, for those of you that were here. And I remember, I think it was 98, you were a year, I think at that point you were a year into the position as senior pastor here. We sat, my family sat in the same row every week, second pew, right behind Steve. And I just remember like looking up at him and I thought he was a celebrity, an all-star, and I couldn't talk to him because he's amazing. And he came down after a message one day and like he shook my hand and he remembered my name. And that just like meant the world to me and it, it, I like melted. So <laughs> yeah, I was, I was born and raised in this house and uh, I've been brought up under one of the best. Seriously, Pastor Steve, you're amazing. You have a great family. Love Jen, too. Love Parker and Kaylee. Believe it or not, uh, they, they let me give Parker guitar lessons. Um, yeah, I, I was able to teach him guitar a little bit. Um, ended up turning out into, like, playing worship music and the Beatles. Um, <laughs> and uh, I had the privilege um, just a couple weeks ago to really get to know Kaylee super well. And, girl, you are walking in the spirit. You really are. God's got huge things for you. Love the Tresh family. Love being here. Love this church family. And uh, it's 11.30. Actually, it's past that. So we're going to get right into this. And uh, there's no service after you, so I'm going to keep you here all day. Hope you're ready for a two-hour message. Hope you brought lunch. But uh, no, I'm kidding. Kidding. Lighten up. All right, I'm going to pray, and we're going to get into this. Let's do it. Jesus, we are uh, grateful that you are here. There's no doubt about it. It's so awesome seeing you move in our time of musical worship. Um, even before the word has been brought, your word is speaking to us today. You're ministering to our hearts, and we ask for more of that. I pray for uh, the person that is in this room that feels distant or uninterested in you. God, I'm praying for that person specifically right now that they will uh, be moved by your spirit today and come to put their trust and faith in you for the very first time. Uh, thank you so much for what you've done this morning already, and we ask for more. Um, we believe these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So for those of you note-takers in the house, the people that have my heart, I'm entitling the message today, Full Harvest Worship. Full Harvest Worship. And... Um, you know, when we think about worship, we tend to think about music. And, um, you know, actually, I, as, as I want to practice you guys, like, talking back to me and stuff like that, and if something's resonating with you, I want you to let me know. So I want you to practice just speaking right now. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is not a message about music. 
and turn to your other neighbor and say, this is a message about worship. Even up top, I see you. And uh, now we're going to check out this video by our executive pastor about worship. Hi, I'm Josh Fay, executive pastor here at Black Rock Church. And here at the church, we found there's some things we can do that really help us grow spiritually. Things like worship, and community, and serving, and ownership. And so I thought, well, if these things can help us grow, maybe they can help the grass grow too. So at 8.30, we start off with some traditional hymns. Then at 10 a.m., we switch to adult contemporary worship. And then when we're gone during the day, we just put on K-Love because it's so positive and encouraging. It's not a mystery. God has a plan for me. I'm so proud of you for growing. Cause I'm ready to grow. That's great. So um, that is our executive pastor from Indiana, if you couldn't tell. Uh, <laughs> it's the only explanation for a straw hat in Fairfield, Connecticut, I hope. Um, so as you might have seen the disclaimer there, you know, worship is not about a music style, and this is where I'm basing the whole message off of today. Worship is not a music style that you prefer. It is a lifestyle that you choose. It is a lifestyle that you choose. So that's where we're going to dive in today. But I want to I bring you into my story a little bit. So um, I was in my undergrad a few years ago, and I had the privilege of being a chapel intern at uh, Palm Beach Atlantic University, love my alma mater. And uh, we had chapel every day, Monday through Friday. And as a chapel intern, I had to be at every single one. And Monday through Wednesday was a contemporary style of worship, and Thursday was the traditional style of worship, and Friday was typically our Catholic uh, worship session, which the other interns and I appropriately named Leg Day because of how much we had to stand up and sit down. We would not do legs that day in the gym. Um, <laughs> it was bad. Um, and anyway, uh, I remember beginning as a chapel intern and, like, dreading going on Thursday and Friday, like, oh, come on. Like, I grew up going to the 10 o'clock service here, and then switched to the 11.30. This is the anointed service. What? Don't tell the other services I said that. Um, but, you know, I grew up with contemporary worship style. I, I grew a liking to that, and I was like, there's no way I'm going to start worshiping out to traditional and Catholic-style music. Like, come on. And I was like, if it's not rock and roll, it's wrong. And, uh, and then a person from the traditional service said, if it's not organ, it's not ordained. And I was like, oh, man. And then they were like, well, ours is more reverent. And I was like, well, contemporary is more relevant. So we were kind of going back and forth, like kind of had this tension for a little while. And then our campus pastor, he sat me down and he said, this is an immature conversation. 
which is never the thing that you want to hear from the guy you look up to. And I was like, explain. You just like nailed me there. Explain a little bit. And he was like, a mature worshiper can worship in any setting. It doesn't matter if there's music or not, because worship at its core is initiated by God revealing himself to us, and it's followed by creation responding to him. And here's why this is so important. And if you have some friends that have asked you, well, what makes Christianity different from any other religion? Like, what sets you guys apart? This is what sets us apart from every other religion, is that God is the one who initiates and reveals himself to us. When we worship Jesus, when we sing songs, when we praise him during the week, when we acknowledge his presence, it is not coming from a place of, God, we want you to reveal yourself. It is coming from a place of, God has already chosen to reveal himself, and he has already chosen to work and move in our lives. Do I have a witness? So we are going to respond to that. Because here's the deal. If God does not reveal himself to us, at best we are blind worshipers. We don't know who we're worshiping. But the good news is he's chosen to reveal himself to us. And and here's just one key biblical example about that. It's coming from Romans chapter 12. Verse 1, it says, And so, your translation might say, Therefore, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So what do we have here? You know, we we need to put this kind of into context a little bit. Under Steve, he had this saying, uh, he said, whenever there's a therefore, we have to find out what the therefore is there for. So we, we need to find out what Paul is talking about here, and it, and it goes back to the previous 11 chapters in this book of Romans. And uh, Paul mentions a whole bunch of ways that God has revealed himself to us, how he has worked on our behalf, and all these things. And, and, and here's just a few of the things that Paul has described in the previous chapters of Romans. I'm only going to name a few. There's going to be even more examples up on the screen. But for the sake of time and for the sake of you getting lunch, I'm not going to go through everything that God has done for us because um, we would be here forever. But here, here are just a few things in this book that he mentions. First, Jesus has set us under grace, not law. And we can pause for a moment. That right there is enough reason to worship him for the rest of our lives, that we are under his grace. Come on. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Next, he, he, he gives us the gift of his indwelling Holy Spirit. He gives us assured confidence of no separation from his love. Nothing can separate you from his love, his word says. Nothing that you can do, nothing that you will ever do, no power against you can separate you from the love of God. That is a promise. That is a promise that we can hold to. So how do we respond to all this? Paul suggests what God wants, which is by giving every fiber of our being to him. Everything. God doesn't want a little. He doesn't even want a lot. He wants all. God wants all of you because of what he has done for you. And I promise you it is a journey worth taking. So here we go. Full harvest worship. We're going to dive right in now that we know 
how to worship and that it's not just music. Let's see how we can worship now. And what I believe are the three major seasons that each and every one of us goes through in life. So I'm actually going to start with the best first. But before we go into it, let's read from Luke chapter 13. I'm in verse 18 right now. It says this, Then Jesus said, he's talking with his disciples, he's talking with people that are listening in, and Jesus says, you want to know what the kingdom of God is like? You want to know what, what my workers are like to the, the people that uh, have put their faith in me? How can I illustrate it? He's like, it's like a tiny mustard seed that a man planted in a garden. It grows and becomes a tree, and the birds make nests in its branches. So there, there are a few different things that I, I see here. And yes, Jesus is talking about the kingdom, but I think that this is also a great scripture just to talk about the different seasons of growth in our life. And as we're kicking off this sermon series on grow, I think that it would be appropriate to use this analogy. So we're going to start with the ripe fruit season. Ripe fruit. That is, in my opinion, the easiest season to worship God in. That is uh, when, when you're singing that uh, Lego movie song, everything is awesome. You know, like you're, life is just dandy. Everything is peachy keen. And this is a season, if it is marked by anything, it is enjoying the rewards of faithfulness. So actually, I, I brought a little something today. And um, I went to that side first, service, this side second. So this side, you are the lucky winners today. I have actually six strawberries that were just picked from my garden last night. So I need... Here, how about, how about the kids right here? You want to come up and get a strawberry? Come on up. Here, Carter, come on up. Emily, you too. Come get a strawberry. Come on, go take one. I need three more volunteers. I want these things gone. Who wants a strawberry? This is fresh from the garden. Come on. How about, you want a strawberry? Come on up. Yeah. Oh, there we go. We got more volunteers. Come on. You never know what's going to happen in church. That's why you show up and sit in the front. Here, you can take two. You can take one for your neighbor also. Awesome. Cool. So fresh strawberries. Those are non-GMO, uh, all grass-fed strawberries, all organic. We don't play around at the Jinta household. Um, that, this is, that is pure, pretty good, huh? Look at her. She's, she's loving it. I love your dress, by the way. Um, yeah, so what just happened here? They did nothing to deserve those strawberries. They were leaning and reap the rewards of my faithfulness to tend to the garden with my wife, Hannah. They did nothing to plant the seed. They did nothing to enjoy the strawberry. All what they had to do was show up. And God says the same thing in our lives. He says, I'll do the growing. I will bring the harvest. All what I need you to do is to show up. Show up and watch me show off. That's what our God says. Come on. We have a witness. Psalm 100 says this, it says, shout with joy to the Lord all the earth, for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. The psalmist is saying, God, you've been good to me in my past. You've been good to me now, and I know that you're going to be good in my future. I know that you're going to be good in my family's future. I can trust you. This is the ripe fruit season, but the reality is, most of our lives are not spent in this season. That brings us to the next two. They're um, not quite as fun, but still vital 
to our growth. So the next season that I want to talk about and spend a little time on is the vulnerable tree. The vulnerable tree. Say that with me, vulnerable tree. So what, what, what happens in this season is that the tree is exposed to the elements. In this moment, this is, this is a time in your life where you're stuck between this awkward tension of, um, man, like, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm not a sapling anymore, I'm, I'm not even seed, but I'm not quite at the season where I'm bearing fruit. And, and this is like a really annoying season. What this might look like in your life is maybe attack to, because you're vulnerable, attack from the elements in life. This can be personal right at you, where maybe uh, you are um, just going through a rough time in your marriage. Uh, this could be happening to your family, man. Maybe a, maybe a child walked away from faith for a little bit, or uh, a family member is struggling with help, health, or um, a coworker is really annoying you, and you're like, God, what is going on? This is so tough. What do we do here? And, and here, here's the thing about the vulnerable tree season, is that I, I would say all of us would want the fruit in the house. All of a, all, we all want the ripe fruit season, but here's what we fall victim to way too often in the American church, is that we want the ripe fruit, but we don't want the tree. We want the ripe fruit, but we don't want the tree. Or another way of wording this is we want the promise of God without working out the process that God wants us to go through to fully enjoy his promise a bit more, and we forget to celebrate the progress along the way. So this is the vulnerable tree season, and I think that the verse that really encapsulates this really well is John 10.10. Again, here's Jesus talking, and he's talking about, um, two people, he's talking about uh, the devil and he's talking about himself. He says, the thief comes to rob and kill and destroy, but I have come so that they may have life and life abundantly. This is, this is a huge, a huge verse. And here's, here's why. The same thing that makes you vulnerable is what also makes you valuable. The same thing that makes you vulnerable is what also makes you valuable. So um, let, me, let me put this in more plain English. A robber is not going to break into an empty house. If you are facing trials in life and you're wondering, is there something wrong? Is there something I go, I'm going through? It is not because the Lord is not with you. It is because he has placed his value upon you, and that is trying to be stolen from you from an enemy who wants to rob it from you and see you killed and see you destroyed and is against your family. But God is saying, I've placed my value on you. I'm growing you because I have come to give you life and life abundantly. I think that if Jesus was to say something to you in this season, because this is typically the time in life where most people will walk away from their faith, if Jesus could say one thing to you, it would, he would say this. He would say, don't uproot in doubt what we have planted together in faith. I will come through, and I will grow you through this season. Here's another thing. John 16, 33 says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So I see two things here. I see a guarantee and I see a choice. 
The guarantee is whether or not you decide to put your faith in Jesus, you're going to face trouble in the world. Sorry. I, I don't know what to say about that. Our fault. But here's the choice. We can choose to put our trust and faith in Jesus. Why? Because he has overcome it. And he wants you to be an overcomer too. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Come on. And here's one more thing. This kind of came upon me in the last service. And I feel it's appropriate for this one as well. The Lord has prompted me to do this. Um, so if you are in a season where, again, you're facing a lot of attack or life is not quite as you thought it would be, maybe you didn't get that promotion at work you were looking for, or maybe your family is struggling a bit more than you thought it would, um, but especially with, with, with the job promotion and you're like, man, I'm not there yet, but I wish I was. I thought I was doing everything right. God is still trying to build in you because here's what I know about God. God will never promote you to a place where your character cannot sustain you. God will never promote you to a place where your character cannot sustain you. And this is for your own good. Things will come to pass in his timing. He just wants you to grow more and bring you the most ripe fruit that you can get in your harvest season. So I'm going to call the band back up. The worship team that, uh, huh, worship team, they lead us in music. I should properly call you the music team. That... Yeah, you guys are doing awesome. Man, how many of you love our worship here? So good. So good. So here is the last season that people go through. So we talked about the ripe fruit where we get to respond to God's goodness and we see it immediately in our life. Everything, again, everything is awesome. Like we're, we're enjoying it. We're, we're reaping in the fruit. We're enjoying the benefits. We see the vulnerable season where although things are against us, we can trust that God is for us so that nothing against us will ultimately prevail because God will and that is a promise. And, and now we have this final season where it all begins. And I like to call this one the buried seed. The buried seed. This is a time in life that is marked by the question, God, where are you? What's going on? See, when a, when a seed is buried in the dirt, you can't see anything. You, you, don't, you don't see a plant. You definitely don't see fruit. A seed is buried in the ground, and you don't know what's happening down there. You can't see anything. This is a time in your life where you are most confused. God, are you even with me? How are you working like this, this is beyond the things are against me. This is, are you even here? But here's what I know. God wants to grow each and every one of us into spiritual giants for our good and his glory. 
for the sake of making his name more famous in our lives, in our households, in our communities, in our cities, in this region, in this country, in this world. God wants to grow you into a spiritual giant. But here's what I do know, is that the bigger your faith grows, the deeper your roots go. Or another way of putting this, for those of you that work in Manhattan, the taller the building, the deeper the foundation. So what God is doing in that buried season is so important and fundamental to your faith. You might not see him working, but he is. He is building your, your story years. He is building your testimony time in that buried season. And Psalm 126 verses 5 through 6 says this, Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. Some of you might have planted your seeds in a, one of the most trialing times in your life where everything seemed against you and you planted it and you were crying about it, but God is saying the harvest will come. Trust me along the way. I am not finished yet. I am building your roots right now so that when you come up as that tree, no storm will go against you. When you come up, you will be immovable unshakable because of what I am doing in these foundational years. And you know how I know that God is so about the buried seed season is because our entire Christian faith is built on the fact that Jesus was the buried seed of God. Think about it. Jesus, brutally murdered. Abandoned so that we wouldn't have to be. We were singing about that earlier. Buried in the grave. What do his closest friends do? They run away, weep, and say, what did we just do? That was a waste of three years of my life. He dead. That's it. He's buried. Game over. But what ends up happening... Jesus was buried in the grave, but he didn't stay there. You see, what God did to bring life into the world is he actually snuck it through death. Oh, come on. Here's a principle that we can see true through these biblical accounts and through the story of Jesus is that if you are buried, you can guarantee and promise that life will spring forth. When Jesus was buried, the foundation of the church was built on the fact that love burst forth from that grave. And Christianity spread across the world. So although you might not see God moving right now in your life because you might be buried. I promise you, he is doing something in your life that only he can do. I want you to stand as we get ready to sing this closing worship song because our God is good. And here's what I want to happen. Imagine what our cities would look like if 2,000 people, 2,000 plus people from Black Rock Church in Fairfield, Connecticut every day left church not with an attitude of worry, but with an attitude of worship, 
who sings forth in some of the toughest times in life and says, I got a way maker. I got a storm deliverer. I serve a Jesus who did not stay dead, who is alive and well in me, whose spirit is in me now, whose presence is in this room, whose presence will never leave me nor forsake me. Y'all better sing this as you sing. Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silence the boast. You silence the boast of sin and shame. You have no rival, Jesus. Come on, let's sing this out.
us, Lord. We pray that you would be near to us no matter what season we're in, Lord, because we know that you are faithful and you are holy. So we put our trust in you. We ask that you would guide us this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See you next week. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online, and we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.